Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. We're almost there. If the season were a marathon, we'd be approaching the stadium by now. Some teams have already been relegated, and we're looking at you, Sunderland. Um, and European finalists are already known. Today, we'll talk about all this beautiful European football we witnessed this week. I'm uh, Andrea Gonçalves, and I'm your host for today. Sitting next to me, two gentlemen you know and deeply care about, Holy Moody. Hello. And Nick McKenna-Klein. Deeply care about, that's nice. Yeah, that's, I like that. that's sweet, right? And fuzzy feeling Thanks, inside. <laughs> Both from Deutsche Welle and uh, a debutant. And I can say he's wearing his best dress. <laughs> <laughs> from the One Football Newsroom, Toby Edman. Hello, hello. Um, before we kick off, wherever we are, you are in the globe, please go to your local iTunes store, give us a juicy rating, and leave a comment to let us know what you think of the podcast. It would be much appreciated. We start with the Champions League, and uh, first of all, what a final. We're going to have uh, Juve and Madrid fighting for the glory in Cardiff. Are you happy with the outcome of this? Yeah, I think um, these are the two best teams in the Champions League this year. It's probably going to be the Champions of Italy this season against Champions of Spain, assuming Real win their game in hand. It looks like that. Yeah, um, and certainly Juve have been the best defence in the tournament this season um, and they've combined that of course with good attacking players as well so they're, they're not sort of grinding out uh, wins a la Manchester United who I'm sure we'll talk about later on um, and Real of course you know Ronaldo's been in ludicrously good form in the knockout stage um, and other players um, sort of uh, pro providing as well Isco of course was the one um, uh, on Tuesday But uh, yeah, other players as well, Tony Kroos and, and Luka Modric, I thought really stepped up um, after Atleti went 2-0 up um, in the game. And those two are, are so important for Real's play. We've talked about it on the podcast before, the way that they're, the, they're often the only two that actually seem to have a plan in that Real Madrid team. Um, and yeah, I think it's going to be a great game. Real, of course, uh, the most successful team in the tournament's history. Juve have got this kind of weird record in finals where, I mean, they've won the tournament a couple of times, obviously. But they've lost, I think, their last four Champions yeah. League finals. I think it's a record. Including two in two years back in the 90s. Yep. With uh, Dortmund. And then, of course, they lost to Real in 98. Um, so there's a lot of history to the game. Um, and they're obviously two European powerhouses. But I think, yeah, the, the two best teams in the Champions League this season. So it's the final we all deserved. You know, the interesting thing is that people say that offense wins games and defense wins championships. Now, that's not the case this time around. Because... Juve have for years been the defensive team. They've been amazing in defense. But this season, they've finally combined offense with defense, which Real doesn't have. I find Real have this habit of being wobbly, which we saw on Tuesday. I mean, that, Again. That, those first 20 yeah. minutes. I was jokingly, I was walking through the Deutsche Welle Sports Department on Tuesday and I was saying, you know, it's going to be 4-0 four, four for Atleti. And after it was 2-0, <laughs> two two what was it, 15, 20 minutes, I was like, Oh shit! I should have put money on this. <laughs> Why didn't I? And um, we talk about that uh, several times in the podcast. <laughs> the way um, uh, Madrid sometimes looks uh, completely unfocused. They, they were completely lost in the match for for 20 minutes. It was really dangerous. They But need to be woken up, and that's the problem. You got to give them credit for how they bounce back. I mean, um, they've been under huge pressure against Munich, um, huge pressure against Atleti, but they just seem to just shake it off and and then 
keep doing what they do and play amazing football. It is. Uh, but let's start with with uh, Juve. They, they beat Monaco again, uh, but it, it wasn't an easy task. Far from that. Uh, the the way Monaco, um, the, their approach was always extremely positive. They always tried to to win the the match since the very beginning, and that's probably uh, what we get from from Monaco this this season. Uh, their extremely positive approach in every single match. Yeah, that youthful exuberance that has kind of dominated their season. Um, they gave it a good go against Juve. They were really up against it after the first leg, of course. They they gave it a good go. But to be honest with you, from the start, I got the impression that Juve knew exactly what they were doing. They controlling, were, they were controlling, controlling the game, yeah. dominating it. And to be fair, I mean, I know Monaco missed uh, a few good chances, missed some good chances in the first leg as well. But... The likes of Quadrado and Iguain missed some great chances to score in this game. I couldn't understand how Juve weren't 4-0 up or 5-0 up by half-time, to be honest with you. Um, they did, obviously, Monaco did manage to score. I think it's the first goal Juve have conceded in Europe since November or something like that. Yep. Yeah, it's been um, like over 600 hours or so. Uh, yeah. 600 minutes, I think. Yeah, 600 hours, minutes, hours, sorry, hours would yeah. be <laughs> on record. That would be like... Of course, <laughs> of course though, Juve's still a long way short of uh, the record for the longest time without conceding in the Champions League, which is held by the Arsenal defence of Flamini, Senderos, Toure and Abue. Uh, with Jens Lehmann in goal. This isn't the same Arsenal which not 10-2 on aggregate against Bayern Munich in the first Well, no, exactly. It's not anymore. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, no Abue and Flamini uh, fullback for Arsenal anymore. Um, it's That's truly a bizarre record, isn't it? That Arsenal team holding, I think it was 900 minutes or something like that. It's, it's the longest streak by about 300 minutes. It's mad. Um, but anyway, Juve, um, with, with the likes of Chiellini... And uh, there is no way, there is no way we're going to have. Uh, couldn't uh, match up to that, but no. um, it's still been an incredible run defensively for them to, to uh, shut teams out for over 600 minutes. And although Mbappe did manage to um, halve the deficit on the night, it never looked like Monaco were going to have enough in the tank. Jardin tried something different this this time. He, he started with three centre backs. It was kind of uh, trying to emulate what um, um, Allegri was doing with with the Juventus, but it didn't work. <laughs> The team, the team look like uh, they're trying to find themselves most of the time, and um, without Bernardo Silva, it was really off the whole, the whole match. There was no magic. They tried really hard, but no magic. He, sorry, uh, I just want to say, I think he just knew that if you want to beat that Juventus team, you need an element of surprise. Um, I think that's what he tried. Um, didn't quite fail. Um, as you said, um, Monaco, they gave it their best, but they knew from the beginning it's going to be really hard, if not impossible, to, to beat Juventus at home. Yeah, they're so strong at home and they have been for a few years now that um, you're, you're right. Jardim knew that he needed to sort of surprise them to, to uh, have any chance, really, because obviously a lot of good teams have been to Juventus and, and come away with nothing, or certainly not come away with a, a two goal win. Um, and uh, yeah, but it, it, they they looked like a couple of other teams have, have done this this season as well, where they've suddenly reverted to a back three because it's the formation de jour, um, <laughs> and it 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 has worked for some teams. But I, it, it, you're going to have to have some sensational performances from individual players and a good performance from the team as a unit to pull off a two-goal win away to Juventus. It was worth trying something. I mean, going out there and doing the same thing again 
when you lost by two goals in the first leg at home is obviously, you know, definition of madness, trying the same thing again and again and expecting different results. But um, no, I, I never got the impression in that game that Monaco, with that formation or any other, were going to have enough to, to beat Juve. Do you think this Monaco uh, was a one-eat wonder or, or can you see them strangling the squad and being competitive next season? I mean, it depends on what happens to the squad now in the summer. If I mean, if, if there's been rumors of Mbappe going to, to Madrid. Uh, I mean, the kid's, what, 18? And there's yeah. a whole bunch of players at Monaco now who are, who are under 21, essentially, except for Falcao, who's like the grandpa in the squad. Um, <laughs> they've got such a young team, and if they manage to keep that together, I think they've got huge potential for the coming seasons. But that's what's gonna, they're going to have to keep that team together. And if, if, if a big European club comes around and says... I'll pay you uh, 100 million for your 18-year-old startlet, then they're not going to say no. I mean, Monaco has money, but not that kind of money. Um, And also the the coach, is Jardin staying with Monaco another season? Or can you you see him going to North London or something like that? (laughs) Where in North London, Dre? (laughs) (laughs) No, I I think both the North London coaches are still going to be in their jobs next season. Um, But, uh, I mean, it, it would be great if Monaco could sort of keep the band together for another year. Um, and I think Jardim will want to build on this as well, even if he loses a couple of players. I think he'll, you know, I mean, it looks like they're going to win the French League, Monaco. And um, yeah, he's going to want to follow up on that success, I think. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see the coach stay. But it's all about the playing squad, really, isn't it? Are they going to keep Bernardo Silva and his magic? Are they going to keep Mondi? Um, there are a lot of players in that team that are going to be um, in demand this summer. It's not just Mbappe, although he's obviously the, the kind of figurehead of it. Um, I, I really hope they do keep some semblance of this team together um, for next season. It would be good for the French League. It'd be good for the French League. It, it, it's good for the Champions League as well, I think, to have someone different in there. Um, you know, playing a different style of football to everybody else. And um, what they've brought to the to the competition this season has been fantastic to watch as well. The ties against Man City and Dortmund were such good entertainment. And it would be a real shame if they did get picked apart by vultures around Europe uh, in the summer. <laughs> I think one thing which I'd like to say about Monaco is not just the, the players, but the fans. I mean, I, I experienced them firsthand in Dortmund. And uh, granted, there's other things which happened at that game with the Dortmund bus being attacked. But the, the, the atmosphere those fans brought with them and the way they reacted to that attack and, and the way they... Just the whole the whole experience around it and having they're they're great and I think it's it's not just nice to have Monaco as a team in in the in European football and doing well in France but it's also good to see those Monégasque fans going around Europe because it, I mean that's also part of football and it's fun to watch them fun to spend time with them. What about the the other match? Should we talk a, a bit about the the that excitement in the first 20 minutes, but then uh, some guy called Isco completely killed the vibe. <laughs> For Atleti, um, and again, Atleti at home, we know they're really, really, really powerful, but they fail constantly away from home. And I think the, the their biggest problem this season was playing away from home. I was looking into the stats, and uh, they only win, they only won nine of out of eighteen matches away from home uh, in uh, in La Liga, which is a problem if you want to fight for titles in general. Yeah, it's a problem when you, you, the teams that you're up against are Barcelona and Real Madrid who barely lose any games. 
who play really bad football and still win games yeah. in the league. I mean, we've spoke, this is probably the third time we've spoken about this, but it is. Real against uh, Alaves. Mm. Awful, awful game. But they still won 3-0. Granted, that was at home, but it's still the same. It's like they play crap football. Well, not crap football. That's, that's, that's too harsh. a bit that's too harsh. Too, yeah. too harsh. That's I'll take too that back. Harsh. They don't play great football considering the squads they have. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, still get the three points they need. And just go home. It's not like a, it's a hard day's work. And Athletic just drop the ball consistently away from home. Yeah, I think they just don't have the same um, aura as as the other two. You know, Barca and Real go to grounds around the country, and um, obviously it's not the case with a lot of teams. But there are some teams who just don't turn up expecting to have a chance of of getting anything from the game, even at home. Um, Real have been leaving key players out. They've been leaving Ronaldo out of quite a lot of La Liga games recently, and still they're on course for the title even in a tight title race with Barca you know, they're leaving key players out because they're so certain that they're going to win the leads me to the next question that I feel like Atleti the squad is really really short most of the time you uh, for this this match in, in particular um, Juan Fran again didn't play Versalico is still injured and they had no one to play on right back they tried Jimenez it didn't work then he he tried to adapt uh, Thomas uh, on the on the right back. It didn't work as well. Um, every time uh, they have a key player injured, you see that the team doesn't deliver, and that's a big problem. Yeah, sure. It was down that side that uh, Real Madrid's goal came from as well, wasn't it? Although obviously Benzema pulled out oh, some ludicrous was... tricks to actually uh, set that goal up, but. Um, yeah, I mean, you definitely get the feeling that Atleti have a, a much smaller squad um, than the other two and a lot of the, the bigger teams around Europe. Um, I really felt like Griezmann um, underperformed in these two games as well, or perhaps that's a bit harsh considering he, he scored uh, the penalty, but I, I don't think he was the, the Griezmann that we, we see a lot at Atleti and that we saw for France at the Euros last summer. Um, yeah, and a, a couple of their players, um, I think we mentioned this last week, um, with Lewis, like a couple of their players are getting on, the likes of Godin and Gabby, and um, there are definite question marks over whether they can still do it at the back end of a season against high-level European opposition. Um, yeah, I think they're they're more kind of susceptible to one player being out of form or or whatever than than some of the other teams are. Certainly, if you look at Juve, the way that unit works is phenomenal, and if Iguain doesn't finish off a couple of chances as he's kind of got a, a reputation for fairly or unfairly um, you've still got players in there that will do the job and I mean Danny Alves was obviously the one in this case who, who produced three assists and a goal in two games um, so I, I don't feel like Atleti necessarily have that to the same extent that other teams have and perhaps that's because of financial issues or what have you especially with the new stadium coming up but um, that is that is the <laughs> failing that's cost them this season Toby, we were about to say something about Atleti. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say that I don't like what Oli just said. That um, Griezmann, he's um, he's just not. He, he needs to step up a little bit, especially in those big games. I mean, um, he's supposed to be the one, you know, to carry the team, especially um, when they attack. Um, I felt like he's done a lot of work, but it's just not enough. You think that sometimes. Uh, there, we were always expecting something from from Griezmann, but uh, it's probably a bit unfair because uh, he's been um, moving around a lot and up front of uh, with Atleti. Sometimes he plays with Gamayo, some other times Correa, some other times Torres, 
it doesn't have like a steady partner and that also could be a problem in matches like this well yeah i suppose he needs a little bit more support um but but then again i feel like griezmann is that kind of classy player who's got the ability to to do something special and you know i mean let's face it the penalty he's got was fairly lucky um he <laughs> slipped um probably shouldn't have counted because i thought like he touched the ball twice twice you would disagree on that would, mm -hmm. sorry i'll let you finish <laughs> <laughs> oh no that's it basically i, I want to hear what you've got to say on that yeah he did touch the ball twice but i mean you saw how he slipped it's not like it, it was a deliberate attempt to it wasn't intentional it yeah. wasn't intentional so i mean he he put his right was it right foot down and it slipped onto the ball and then he kicked it which so the ball probably would have gone into a different part of the goal had he not slipped i mean if there'd been an intentional because what would have happened was had the referees said it was intentional then real madrid would have had a free kick and i, I would have found that unfair because it wasn't deliberate the man ran up to the ran up to the spot slipped and like moved his right foot into the ball teeing it up and then hit it with his left but it wasn't as if he try, was trying to do that and to you be, can see to from the slow-mo really moved it is something that you can spot on slow motion but if you're a referee and you're really close yeah, to no the chance to, to, it's that. really hard to, to yeah. spot it but after this what's next for next for for atleti do you think that simeone will stay uh, they, they need to uh to make a extreme makeover to the team Probably. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of talk about him going to um, Italy, to Inter. Um, I think he may have, have hit that point now where he feels like he's taken the team as far as he can. Certainly they haven't performed as well in the league this season. Um, and, you know, Champions League getting so far but not quite over the finish line. Again, maybe he's just thinking it's time to, to try it somewhere new. And, yeah, they definitely do need to refresh the squad a little bit. A couple of the players I mentioned, like... Gabby and Godin, you, you can't necessarily rely on them for the number of games that they've played in the past. Um, there needs to be um, there needs to be a, a couple of players coming in to at least take the load off um, of them, and in some cases, I think replace players as well. And uh, we mentioned it with Monaco, but it's the same with with Atleti as well. Will Griezmann still be there uh, next season? There's a lot of talk about him going to Manchester United, mm -hmm. um, and that would be a huge loss for them. Um, you could also look at a couple of players further back as well. Saul, Koke, you know, are these guys going to get snapped up in the summer? Does Atleti have the financial power to keep them there? Um, especially if Simeone goes to Inter. So it's a it's a kind of summer of uncertainty coming up for Atleti. It's, but going, it, it's going to be a very interesting summer in so many ways. Indeed. But again, I do hope that they, to some extent, at least keep that team together because it would be such a shame to see them sort of. What about off. Zizou? Two Champions League final and um and 17 months yeah <laughs> so you have to i, I wish you can see nick's nick's face right now <laughs> it's just it's belief just, you have to let it sink in the fact is the man took over from what was it rafa benitez yeah um, it was God, seven, yeah. 17 yeah it's how tables have turned the man just promoted from the championship um 17 months in a job two champions league finals won one of them I'm hoping he doesn't win the second one. <laughs> That's my bet. Um, it's just, it's, but I don't know. If, I, still, I'm still not, I don't think he's a good coach. I think what he's able to do is he's able to deal with good players well because he himself was a good player. Yeah, that's I, that's the I, only. I think reason. especially the Munich game showed that probably he's not like the most tactical coach. Like he tells play go out there play football. It felt a bit like that. Mm. Um, I think probably the, the the best thing he's done is um, bringing Isco on for Bale. I mean, obviously mm. Bale being injured. But I feel a bit like the team plays much better with Isco than yeah. with Bale. 
Because it's because um, it's a work a workhorse. He 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 actually yeah. does the job. He's like courses well, or like Modric. They, they actually work hard for the team. Other people who are in the Real Madrid side don't, without naming names. <laughs> <laughs> also dropping one of the forwards and, uh, and playing with another another guy between lines it's it's, it's so much better for for, for real madrid because they, they can actually control the match uh, most of the time we feel like they are not in control and in those first 20 minutes they were not in control Ooh. did you see ronaldo's face like i think they 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 they, they, they moved across to, to ronaldo after the second goal went in you kind of stood there in disbelief so, what the hell is going on <laughs> Why, what, what's, what, what is this? What am I doing here? What's happening? Things weren't falling into place for him as they usually no. do. Or Think, so it seemed at that Thinking of falling, did you see where he got tackled from the back? Um, I can't remember who it was by. He was up. In, he was jumped. He jumped up in the air, and somebody jumped into oh, him. Oh, it was Godin, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah there we go. That's Absolutely right. ploughed through the back of him. Yeah. And if, if you see the slow motion of it, he actually looks like that awful statue of him at the, at the <laughs> airport does, yeah. in Madeira. If you, it's, but only works in slow motion because his his face is completely distorted, <laughs> and any sort of loose skin he has in his face comes forward. So he's, he looks like that round statue. His Botox so, doctor won't be happy that you said he's got loose skin on his face. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just just to wrap up the the, the old Champions League thing in, in one match. Madrid or Juve? Juve. Juve? Yeah. Juve. I, I, I said Juve on this podcast after the after the second leg against Porto in the second round, so I'm sticking with Juve. Okay. Absolutely. I think if, if, you, if you want to beat Juve, you have to do it over two legs. One leg's not going to be enough. They've, they've got a, they're a team with a plan and they're going to win it. Uh, there's more besides Champions League. Fortunately, uh, and uh, <laughs> this th this Thursday, Ajax and Man United booked their tickets uh, to the Europa League final in Stockholm. Um, after beating Lyon 4-1 in the first leg, the Dutch had to sweat hard to progress. They they lost 3-1, but still, they made it. Um, what about Man United? <laughs> they drew 1-1 at home. Again, another drew, another draw at home. It's it's, it's it, it looks like something quite common these days. Um, but the win 1-0 away at Balaidos make, made the, differ the difference. Um, don't you get this feeling, this weird feeling that most of the time Man United are they're more concerned about not losing than actually uh, going for the win? Totally, and I think that sums up how Mourinho has changed from um, the Mourinho we saw in the early days uh, of his time at Chelsea, for example, even up to Inter and then possibly in Real Madrid, where... Um, he had a spark about him. He was a very defensive coach, obviously, but um, he he still seemed to have this kind of like ruthless nature that then fed into the players. When you see him in like press conferences and things like that now, he seems kind of dead. Just there's, there's no energy about him. And again, I feel like that is passed on to the players. They don't look like a team that's harrying and hassling uh, the opposition. They just have this kind of defensive mindset you could have seen it best against um, Arsenal last weekend where they were playing with their kind of attacking midfield players as wing backs you know like Mkhitaryan was playing wing back it was bizarre to watch and it, it doesn't suit the players and it, it's not fun to watch and I don't really understand how anyone can be enjoying watching Mourinho football but on the other hand Man United have won one trophy already this season two Two is it? What's the Tra oh the, the the community shield? Okay, right. 
So one proper trophy this season, and <laughs> they and they could be in line for another one, and they they will be the favourites going into that game against Ajax as well, obviously. So it's a very weird season. It's, it's such a it must be such a, a weird season as a Manchester United fan, like Just to watch this winning stuff, season. but but you don't get the feeling that they're winning stuff, grinding your way to a couple of trophies, um, and of course if you go back a few years. Man United fans would have laughed at the League Cup and, and the Europa League, um, but they, they are things, still trophies. They're still they're still winning things. So it, it, yeah, it must be such a strange time to be a United fan. Two two things uh, you were saying beforehand with with United drawing at home and always winning winning away. I mean, for the for this final, they are the away team and they're not at Old Trafford. So I mean, the stars are aligned for them to win this. Team. <laughs> um, and what like to just. Um, pick up with what he said about Mourinho um, I think like the other day he said if we're not going to make it to Champions League it's because we're not good enough and I feel like um, yeah Mourinho probably a couple of years back he wouldn't have said that um, and these days he's like oh well like we, we won't make it and he, he sort of uses his squad or whatever the whole the whole team and the way they played as an excuse to not qualify for Champions I League I feel football. like that there are a lot of players on that team he doesn't he doesn't trust on them And yeah. we we might see some 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 of them going uh, away in in, uh, in summer. It's an incredible outlay for a squad that Mourinho, to a large extent, doesn't trust, isn't it? The amount they've spent on that squad. But do you do you think he at least trust the players he bought last summer? I mean, the Mkhitaryan's and the Bailey's. And he the, he's, yeah. he seems to at some point in the season finally have come around to the idea of Henrik Mkhitaryan. Um, but there there are so many players in that team that. They just don't seem to fit together well. The, the, whether it's the tactics or whether it's the the, the makeup of the team, um, I think they've been heavily reliant on a few players this season. You know, Rashford sort of coming through again in the back half of the campaign. Um, and as much as I can't stand him as an opposition fan, and Herrera, he's been very <laughs> useful for them. Um, and I think without one or two of those players, this would have been. An incredibly expensive flop of a season for Manchester United and Mourinho. Like like Pogba, I mean, like he, the the things that Pogba does this season, he does because he he's got quality and he's got the individual class. But it doesn't seem like that that he links very much with the the players around him. Um, feels like that it's on on Mourinho a little, isn't it? It's uh, Pogba is a tough subject because. Uh... <laughs> Uh, I, I, most of the time, I feel like he doesn't have the stamina to to play the 90 minutes, so which is really weird if we're talking about a professional footballer. And um, yeah, he, he looks uh, like he's not really in the team, like he's not part of the team sometimes. And uh, it, it, I think things will change with time. But I, I also said that in the beginning of the season, and when you're <laughs> in the end of the season, and I, I still believe that things will change with time. And also with some uh, some new uh, players coming uh, in, um, in in the summer, so this is a weird season for Man United. They they, they won the Charity Shield, League Cup. Mm -hmm. They're probably going to win the Europa League, but they're going to uh, miss top four. I think it was it was uh, the, the the first big um, goal for them. Could it be? Is this season a good season for them or not good enough? It's not good enough at all. I mean, again, Mourinho a couple of years ago would have laughed at the idea that he could finish sixth and call it a successful season. Mm. Um, anything below Champions League is, you know, 
even by his sort of they nemesis win, Arsene Wenger. If, if they win the Europa League, they go to the Champions League. Yeah, they, yeah. that's the only thing going for them. Sorry, probably. sure. Yeah. Getting getting in through the back door. Yeah. Um, <laughs> would again like Mourinho of a few years ago, Man United fans a few years ago would not have considered that a success. And you know, it does get a bit dull to kind of bang on about the amount of money Man United spend, but it's it's such a vast investment. And to be outdone by Liverpool when Liverpool have had a few dodgy spells this season. At the moment, it looks like United are going to finish below Arsenal, who have been, I mean, just a few weeks ago, we were in absolute crisis mode. And it looked like the season was completely falling apart. And like they might even not even qualify for the Europa League. And now it looks like Man United are going to finish below them. Um, they're not going to win the two biggest competitions that they're entered at the start of the year obviously the league and the and the FA Cup um, so you consider the FA Cup more important than the Europa League I think Man historically United consider it okay fans definitely do it's just, I would say it, yeah. I mean, Europa League is I mean this is the first time United have been to the Europa League final it's never been a, a tournament which they've found particularly important and I, I can't remember when it was it was mid 2000s when they were knocked out of the Champions League in the group stage and that was the first time they played Europa League in heaven knows how long, and they were knocked out in the first, then the next round. It's just there's, there was no there's no interest at United to play Europa League now this season. They had to play it because that's just where where they where they are, and the only way to get where they want to be, which is the Champions League, is by winning this tournament. That's the only reason why the Europa League has become more important. But even then, for the for, for United fans, it's definitely more important to win the FA Cup and the league than it is to win the well Europe's second most important title. Mm-hmm. And uh, what next for, for Man United? What do they need to to be able to fight for, for the, the Premier League? I mean, this might come back to haunt me next season, but I think they need a new coach. Um, I don't think Ooh. I don't think Mourinho has it in him anymore. As I say, it's it's not just the way the team performs on the pitch. It's the way he seems. You know, he was always this kind of terrier-like personality. Even in press conferences, you got the impression that he was sort of bursting at the seams like with the energy you know that he... but do, you, do you think that uh, any other manager will, will win the Premier League with this squad I mean a bit more investment <laughs> a bit more investment um, might be needed like uh, you know if a, if a coach comes in they actually develop a strategy um, for how they're going to set the team up and whatnot, and not just go for the, the kind of um, sexiest players out there but by the players who are actually going to make the best uh, team Um but yeah, it might take a couple of years as well, and it might take a couple of years of development. But I, I feel like, in terms of the way they play, they've gone backwards under Mourinho, and they they look kind of lacking in energy. They've had a number of very dull home draws this season, which again used to be Mourinho's strong point. You know, his, his first season at Chelsea, I think they were, um, you know, or even over a course of a few years at Chelsea, and then even at Inter, he went like years without losing a game at home and was it was so dominant at home um and now united have drawn something like eight or nine think games eight, yeah. at home in the league and some of the teams have drawn against too the likes of you know bournemouth and that not that not any disrespect meant to bournemouth but you know they're teams that a couple of years ago united would have expected to put away and Mourinho would have expected any team that he was at to demolish them i mean it's a team that united beat 3-1 i think uh, last year at home mm-hmm. on that last day of the season which was then postponed because of that the bomb threat, yep. but that was that, that game in the three one. This you're right. It's it's um, they're drawing games against teams which they're even less than 
five, six years ago, even in Ferguson's last years, you, they would never have dreamt of drawing against. And if they did draw against them, it was a it was a debacle. It was it was. Whereas now it's kind of oh, okay. Well, now they've drawn. It, it, it's part of the deal again. Now. Yeah, it's just it, there's, it's. I don't know what it is about United, but it, it, it's missing. It's lost its character. The team's lost its character. It no longer has. It no longer scares other teams the way, or United no longer scares other teams the way they used to. And I don't know if that's because of the players or the type of player they have. Probably, it's, it's a different effect. I, th- I think it's still the Ferguson effect. The moment, the moment he, he went away, um, there was uh, some uh, some feelings just 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 gone. And everyone believe now. Now, not that the the old man is not there anymore. I think we can go to Old Trafford and and actually win. Well, bringing back Mourinho was supposed to bring back that, or bringing in Mourinho, not bringing back. Bringing in Mourinho was supposed to bring back that fear factor, and it hasn't happened. It's been the opposite. In fact, teams go to United thinking, "Well, we'll get at least a point." I, th- I think it really is the players, though. <clears throat> and it's, yes, it was Ferguson leaving, but the players aren't what they used to be. They aren't. They aren't Roy Keynes anymore. I mean, I'd say Zlatan's got a, got a character about him to scare people off, but nobody, nobody else does. I mean, the defenders. Rio, when you used to have Rio Ferdinand at the back, it was... It and was, Vidic. And Vidic. Mm. The, yeah, that, that combination. It was two defenders every single attacking line was was afraid of. I heard now got, Terry is available this summer. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we, I think wheelchairs are allowed on the pitch. 36-year-old. Um, it's It's... it's that nobody, I think, scares opposition players any longer at United. With there's, there's a, there might be a couple, as I said, I mean, Ibrahimovic, but other than that, I can't. De Gea maybe even as, a, as I think people see him as a really good goalkeeper and, and hard to get by, but other than that, I mean, with all due respect, so it's also a lack of respect for the for the opponent. <sighs> I think it's a it's a whole bunch of things. It's United really need to rethink who they are and where they're going and stop buying players for ridiculous amounts of money that don't fit into their whole philosophy. One thing which United always had going for them was the fact that the academy brought through good players. Yes, Pogba came through their academy, but then they shouldn't have sold him in the first place or let him go in the first place. <laughs> uh, they, they lost, they've lost, they've lost their character, I find. And then that's what I think a lot of United fans find very disappointing. But you can only keep saying, well, you know, Fergie, Fergie left a few years ago mm. for so long. At some point it sounds like a bit of a pathetic argument um and especially when you look at all right Moyes was obviously a disaster but then they've they've brought in big personalities to try and fill that void in Van Gaal and now Mourinho um and and it hasn't really worked out with with anyone yet so I don't know I think at some point you have to stop falling back on like Man United have to stop falling back on this um Fergie exit kind of argument and They've certainly been trying to fill the gap with with money as well, and um, I, I do think that what what they're lacking is a proper strategy out on the pitch. They need someone who's who's going to come in and say we're going to play in this way, and it's a, a new way of playing, or it's you know it's a, a it's an innovative kind of way um, of playing the game. Um, that's what Chelsea have done with Conte, and and what Tottenham did with Pochettino. So bottom line, they need a revolution. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, but they need the coach and the the money men. Is it still Ed Woodward uh, at United <laughs> so to you, be kind of in sync? You believe uh, that the only way is a new manager, new players. Nick says uh, new players, and what about you, Toby? I think new players um, 
would do the job as well. Um, um, there's there's no character on the pitch when United is playing. Um, certainly, a few things down to the manager as well. But but I, I don't see how Mourinho possibly could be happy with his squad. Uh, we said it earlier on that it just like there's so many players he doesn't trust. I mean, like if I could think of any player in the United squad that would scare off. Um, opponents, it would be actually Wayne Rooney because he's a very respected sort of football player. I thought you were about to say ugly football player. Uh, he's what? <laughs> ugly. Yeah, well, that as well. And, but <laughs> we're not here to discuss that. So, yeah, I think, um, yeah, there's just character missing um, on the pitch. And um, I think once Mourinho gets players into the squad that he trusts, he sort of can, you know, um, keep on developing um, um, the United play and, you know, get, get players behind his back again. Okay, guys, that's all from us today. Um, many thanks to Oli, Nick, and Toby. Uh, also to our producer, Philip. I hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Bye.